Hey, Peter. Hey, Adam. Psych! I'm actually Rachel Morgan. I'm actually Sarah Hanahan. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. I am the director of operations at Open Studio super excited to be the executive producer on the new Peter Martin and Generation S album. And I am here with my newest, bestest friend in the Bestie. whole wide world. Bestie. Yes. Bestie Ladies Hanahan. take over here at You'll Hear It podcast. Absolutely. I and love it. Yeah, we're taking over this podcast because we should. Yeah. And they let us. And they let us. Just kidding. Basically, they're not here to, <laughs> you know, watch us take over the mic. So that's we're just taking it over by ourselves. Absolutely. We do have permission a little bit, but yeah, so let's we get into it. it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, fun story. I had the honor of picking up Sarah from the airport. Yes. Last month. And I feel like four minutes in, we were already friends. We were best friends right away. Yeah. Also, so I am, my background is in classical piano. Mm-hmm. So all of this jazz stuff I get to hear every day goes yeah. well over my head. Mm. Um, but Sarah actually introduced me to the Sunlight album. Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock. Yep. And it changed my life, gotta yeah. say. Yeah, that's a great record. And there's certain records in jazz that just, I don't even know, you can't really categorize that specific record of Herbie's. It's just good music. It's just like anybody would love that record. And I knew, I know you're a pianist, and I was like, you'd appreciate this incredible sure. Herbie Hancock record. And as soon as I put it on, like, first track, I thought about you. And we were just in your car. We were, like, driving back to the hotel. And you were just like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Immediate this, love. Yes. And then tell, tell, tell them about when you picked up Diane Reeves. Yes. I also had the immense honor of picking up Diane Reeves from the airport, which gave me anxiety to yeah. the nth degree. Yeah. Um, and I was like, my number one fear was, like, what do I play in the car right, for that's Diane Reeves? So awkward. It's the like, absolute queen. Yeah, the to queen. To enter my vehicle. Right. And it's like, what do you play? Like do you want to play jazz or like would she be annoyed by that like right. you know what i mean like because if like, i don't oh. play the right person yeah and then she's like oh can you turn down the music you know you right. don't want that to happen of course not you want her to be like vibing right. so you had to pick the correct track yeah so sarah the same day sarah told me about the sunlight album i still had it on in the car when i had to go get diane and she loved it yeah she was vibing yes yeah. she actually sang along yep. to sunlight in the car and i was like wow I had a like a personal concert from Diane Reeves oh, in my car. I bet that was amazing. Actually. It was really incredible. Because <laughs> the record's really already so good, and then Diane Reeves singing along to it. Right? <laughs> That's epic. For free for me? That's epic. That's so good. Yeah. Such a great story. Diane Reeves will not sing for free for you, no. by the way. Don't Unless you that. pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> she also gave me a little history lesson about how it was like groundbreaking um like music that had never been out before and yeah. when it hit in the 70s yeah so i was like wow not only is she giving me a whole lesson right but she's also singing for me she's also <laughs> i cried like it was beautiful. no that's amazing yeah that i think that record in particular the sunlight record is really was really important for that genre of music and where herbie was taking in terms of bringing in like the electronic stuff bringing in like a vocoder and the the roads all this all this stuff that the band was doing and it was kind of incorporating like the the songs have really hip changes and the melodies are really hip like even like a standard or something like that but then it brings in this kind of 
you know, 70s vibe beats and things like that that weren't coexisting at the same time. So Herbie was really at the forefront of that uh, movement. So I love that record, though. It's such a For great sure. one. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a big music fan, not even just jazz in general. Like, jazz, of course, I've, I've, you know, studied, and I love a lot of jazz records. I feel like you definitely live and just breathe music. Yeah, I love, I just love music. Literally any type of music, all of it. (laughs) I'm like, I just love it all. Pop music. I even like country music. I like that. I like, you know, anything, R&B, you know, soul. I like old music, too, like, you know, I like classical music, solo piano stuff, you know, everything. People always ask, like, what's that one record you can't live without? Or, like, what's that? What are those, like, top three records for you? For me, one record I 100% could not live without is a Jackie McLean record entitled Jackie Mac Attack Live. Um, It was one of his records. I mean, as an alto saxophonist, Jackie McLean is, like, my, like, you know, everything. And I got to study at his school um, that he created in in Hartford, Connecticut, called the Hart School of Music, Jack McLean Institute of Jazz. That's where I got my first degree, my undergrad degree. And I studied with all of his students, like Nat Reeves, um, Steve Davis, Abraham Burton, Eric McPherson, Renee McLean, his son. So I really got involved in that lineage. And Jackie is like, to me, like, it's like Bird, Charlie Parker, and Jackie McLean, like, you know, I love those guys. So um, this is a record he did later in his career, probably in like the late 80s, I'd say. And it was a quartet with Nat Reeves, Hotep Galetta, and Carl Allen playing drums and Jackie. And he is just like, I mean, I'll play some of it. He was just on fire that night. And I remember asking Nat Reeves about the record. And he was like, yeah, we did the record in like an old church. And he hadn't, Jackie hadn't played for a couple months. Like something was going on. Um with him I don't know if it was like a health thing or something but he hadn't played so this was like the first time he had kind of played in a long time and he just like kept like going and going and going and going and every chorus it built every chorus was new ideas like he never like repeated like he was just it's just to me the ultimate level of bebop saxophone to me it's the end all be all yes please I'm gonna play a little bit of it Jackie McIntyre live this is one of the best records. See what happens. There we go. First track. They come out hot. Right away. And I love the album cover. It's bright pink. Can you see it? that's just a little bit of the first track but just like comes out hot yeah and it doesn't go down from there at all it just goes up and it's about a five five or six track record it's all live and it's just one of my favorite albums of all time in terms of playing the saxophone we definitely have to have you for a listening session oh for for sure oh man we're always listening to music we always talk about music definitely yeah definitely yeah how has it been playing 
with Peter Martin, Ruben Rogers, and Greg uh, Hutchinson. How's that been? Oh, those guys. Because they're all friends. Like, they've yeah. been friends for I know. 50 years. This is su- this is like been such a great experience for me and like such a dream in a lot of ways. Um, because I've been listening to those guys since I was in high school. And um, like, I've listened to them with Roy Hargrove, with Joshua Redman, um, Brian Blade, all these incredible people and it's always like a dream when you get to play with your heroes like people you listen to on like you don't even know these people you're just like wow I love this album like and then here fast forward like eight ten years later I'm like making a record with them so that's just like a dream you know um for me those guys are like I met Peter in 2019 at the the Betty Carter Jazz Ahead program and they were just like so supportive of me, like from the jump. And um, Greg was also there and we just like had such a great like relationship and they were just so, you know, willing to give information and willing to be kind of like mentors or soundboards for you as a student. That was great. And then I hadn't talked to Peter for a few years, like COVID happened and I hadn't heard from him. And then randomly, like on my way to, I was going to Juilliard at the time to get my master's degree. And I'm I'm like on my way to Juilliard and get a call and I'm like who is this like St. Louis I'm like hello I usually never answer the phone either (laughs) (laughs) if you know me you know I never answer my phone um but (laughs) I answer and I'm like hello he's she's like Sarah this is Peter Martin like how are you I'm like oh I'm like man I'm good how have you been like I was like it's been a minute that's what I said and he was like he was like, yeah, I've been good. Are you still playing saxophone? <laughs> it's like, what? As though you quit your number one talent. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean am I still playing saxophone? He was like, oh, are you just scared me because you said it's been a minute. And I was like, no, it's been a minute since I've, since I've you know, talked to you. He was like, okay, great. Um, I want to put this new band together, this quartet with you and Ruben and, and Hutch, and uh, we're going to record a record. And that was like a year ago from the recording date. So there was a whole year that went by. And... Um, I was just hoping, I was like, man, I hope this is still happening, like, because I was so excited. I went into school after I got that call, and I was, like, telling my friends, I was like, you won't believe, like, this quartet that Peter's going to put together, like, and I told my friends, and they were all like, whoa, <laughs> like, just, like, that's a lot of horsepower in one Absolutely. band. So, for me, playing with them has been just such a dream, and also, they're just, like, beautiful guys, like, we've been having such a good time, like, hanging out and, sure. you know, going to dinner and just talking about music, talking about people. When we played with Diane, that was so special, and they all kind of just welcomed me in. And that's, like, what you could hope for as, Absolutely. you know, a young person coming into the music is just being, you know, lifted and nurtured by, you know, these these people that are, like, you love, you know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's, it's always cool when your heroes, like, are cool, you know, because sometimes Absolutely. your heroes can disappoint you. But all these guys are just, like, they're just beautiful cats. It all comes out in the music, too, so... Yeah, it's been awesome. And awesome hanging with all my Open Studio fam, too. Yeah. My homies. It's been so cool having you in our studio. Yeah, I love it here. Okay, what would you say is the state of women in jazz right now? Oh, it's, it's such a great question and something, like, we should all just be talking about more openly anyway. For sure. It doesn't have to be, like, this big, like, you know, to-do. It's, like, there are a lot of women out here playing at such a high level and I'm just like, every time, you know, I I think that we need to talk about it more and we need to be more, just in general, more supportive of, of women out here, Absolutely. you know? And 
I think not make it such a such a divide between men and women. There's a there's a lot of women out here playing so great. It's like a lot of times I get asked like, "Oh wow, you're the only woman. You're the only woman." And it's like actually I'm really not. <laughs> there's right. like, there's a lot of incredible saxophonists, not only saxophone but every instrument, who are out on the scene, um, doing it. So I think it's in a good state, and I think just the more that we can you know, be represented in, in the industry is the better. Um, I think it's important for young women to see women playing. Like I never really got to see that, um, when I was a kid, like learning about music, my dad was a musician. So I just had him to kind of like, he was like always so supportive and like, no, just get up there. Like, no, like he kind of pushed me. And was like, don't worry about them. You know, if someone said something or whatever, he's like, don't worry about that. Like, you're good. Like, it's not about that stuff. It's about right, your horn. Music. Yeah, it's about the music, yeah. you know? So I think it's in a good state. And I think we just need to keep, like, encouraging young. Like, it starts from being young. Yeah. And it starts from the, the school systems and things like that. Yeah. You know, like, one of the most common things is, like, you know, a, a young girl wants to play saxophone it's like then the band director puts a flute in her hand and it's like that's that's great but like what if <laughs> what if she wants to play the drums or wants to like right. we need to encourage young girls on the same level as we encourage young men for sure you know we just need to do a better job as a, as a society um kind of addressing that and trying not to make it such a divide of course you know because it's course. like it doesn't make any sense um but i'm just proud to be out here and just yeah. continue to to push and I, I don't even really think about it and I think people who work with me don't think about like oh Sarah is a woman or anything yeah. it's just like we're just playing you know but it's still there and it's we need to we need to speak about it and be you know you know be aware that that is still there yeah. and um yeah I think I think we just need to do a better job in general including everybody yeah. you know favorite female jazz musicians alive right now Oh, after Diane Reeves, of course. Oh, Diane yeah. Reeves, it's my lady. Um, so many great musicians out there right now. Dee Dee Bridgewater, Melissa Aldana, great, great saxophonist. Tia Fuller, great saxophonist. Um, all these people, you know, they paved the way. Sherelle Cassidy, Lawrence Sevian, great, all incredible saxophonists and friends. Nicole Glover is a friend of mine, great saxophonist and. Rini Rosness, incredible Absolutely. pianist, yeah. plays with Ron Carter. Just all these women who have done it, you know, they're they're out here. Like, check them out. Check out their music. Go to their shows, you know, as you would do with Peter or anybody else. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So that's just a few off the top of my head, but there's many people out here representing. So, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, do you identify as millennial or Gen Z? I know we're on the cusp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I think people who know my Instagram would say Gen Z because <laughs> I'll be like on or my, uh, my girlfriend calls me an iPad baby, uh, which is like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, I hate that. But uh, I kind of am like we're kind of obsessed with our phones in some ways. Of course. Uh, but what a lot of people don't understand is like that. Unfortunately, like that's a part of like being in this business is like having, you know, a real social media person as open studio like everyone at open yeah, studio yeah. knows like that is a big part of it so i would say i'm a millennial i would like to say that 
<laughs> but Gen Z definitely creeps in here or there. For sure, for but sure. I'm not so Gen Z that I'm like TikTok. I try to get on TikTok, but I don't. I don't do it so well. I'm like Instagram, Facebook, like that kind of thing. Yeah. YouTube. I try I'm to YouTube. indoctrinate myself with TikTok. To Are you be into more it? Gen Z. Yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> I. It's yeah. so addicting. Like the. Definitely. The scrolling, especially on TikTok, because it's so quick. Yeah. You know. So I'm trying. I'm trying to stay. I can. I need to be on my phone less. So I'm like staying a little bit away from that for yes. sure. Yes, yeah. we're all addicted to our phones. It's kind of sad. And but it's everybody. It's not even just like our generation. <laughs> it's just everybody now. Yeah. Like older generations, like they're obsessed with Facebook. They be on Facebook. Like my dad's generation, they be on Facebook all the time. Po- all this of commenting, posting, <laughs> and then they want to get on us about us being on our phones. I'm like. I'm more productive. Yeah, um, right. I'm like, hold on. I'm more productive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm actually learning something. Definitely. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Um, but would you say, like, being in our generation is any kind of advantage over maybe older cats that are out here, you know, gigging and, like, I don't know. Do you feel like there's an advantage mm-hmm. with, like, trying to be in the business in our generation? Yeah, I think – I don't – I wouldn't say it's an advantage. It's just very – different um and i think people in like our generation have learned to capitalize on social media and things like that um which is great that's just the time um cats that don't do that who are a little bit older they have already established themselves like so much that they don't necessarily need it in a lot of ways um i think it helps because like the unfortunate truth is that like everything is digital now everything's on our phones so even like someone like ron carter like he has like an amazing instagram presence like absolutely and he has so many because it's just like cool to see like he'll make like little videos of him playing bass obviously somebody manages the account as well but like he will make little videos and just say like you know hi i'll be at birdland or whatever and it's so cool to see like that makes you want to follow them more um, so I think there can be advantages of it, but I don't think you necessarily, you need it, you know? So I wouldn't say advantage. I just say it's just a different time, you know, and it works for some people and it doesn't work for other people. And that's, that's Melody. That's cool. For sure. What is your favorite place that you've gotten to travel to, uh, with your sex? St. Louis. St. Louis. No. no, for real. <laughs> uh, can't even laugh at oh, that. Oh, no. man. Next. No, I do love St. Louis. It's cool. It's good vibes here. <laughs> I would say, oh, well, I've been to Europe a lot now in like the last two years, especially. I had never been overseas. And then my first time going overseas was to Bern, Switzerland at this great club called Marion's Jazz Room. And that was like only two years ago and that was like my first time going and then since then I've been like a bunch of times so that's that's pretty cool I would say Bern is one of my in Switzerland is one of my favorite places just because that was like the first time I'd ever been overseas and it's beautiful it's such a beautiful little like quaint town they have this like you know river that runs through the town that's gorgeous and you can see the Alps and it's just like a beautiful place so I, I love that there and I have a lot of friends there so that's one of my favorite places I'd say Austria was I went to Graz. That was gorgeous. And we ran right around Christmas time. They have like all these like Christmas markets and it's just hip. And I'd also say this summer I went, I traveled a lot. I went to Finland and Italy and all these different places, but I went to Paris for the first time and I loved Paris. I really did. Like it might be corny, but I just, 
I think Paris is just such a vibe. Like, I love it there. And I went to the Eiffel Tower, Tower and I'm like, you know, I just, I don't know. I love the little cafes. I just love the, the vibe there. It's just very relaxed and... Yeah. Are you gonna be moving to Paris sometime soon? It's so funny. I, fi- <laughs> I someone told me they were like Paris is like the one place that New Yorkers would like move to, and I was like, what? And then I went and I was like, definitely. I oh, know yeah. exactly why they said that because it's kind, it's like a city vibe. It's like New York, a little bit slower, you know, beautiful. You know, it's just a different, different vibe. But I love Paris. I don't think I'll be moving there, but I love to visit. Maybe a little house or something. A little. Little flat, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about fashion. Yes, there's not enough conversation uh, about fashion. Oh, uh, we gotta talk jazz. about it. And I want to fix that. Yes, we're gonna fix that single handedly. One hundred percent. Ruben Rogers, I will say, walked in here with some Gucci shoes, and they were he incredible. Did. Shout out to Ruben Rogers. Love that guy. Incredible fashion taste. Yeah, he does. Incredible guy. Okay, beautiful person. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there are some people who we won't name, but there's some people <laughs> who <laughs> are just regulars at Old Navy on stage. Yeah. Huh? Don't bring it on stage. Yeah. It's so tough. <laughs> oh, there's so many good places to shop now, I think. Like I think for me, especially I like to dress a little bit more like androgynous. Like I like to have like suits and I like to you know, I'm not like I don't fit into a real a real category. For sure. So for someone like me, it's a little bit harder to find things. Yeah, you do. You yeah, put that effort in. I have got off. to. You have to. I remember you had like a a black polo. Yeah, and it looked so clean and fresh. I yeah. was like, styling. Yeah, absolutely styling. Yeah, and that <laughs> I randomly found at like a I forget what store that was Club Monaco or something like that. But I think you have to kind of just like creep into a lot of different places and like see what's going on right and you might have like one place you're like okay i know i can definitely get like my basics there like a black button down and a white button down and like some plaid pants or whatever like have one of those places but the rest is about kind of like for me at least like popping in here and seeing like oh okay i like that blazer i like that jacket i'm gonna go for that i'm gonna get that here then i kind of creep into another place i'm like oh okay they have a few things i like here so it's kind of about like the search yeah. Which can be a little bit annoying because it's frustrating. Yeah, you have to spend some time doing it, um, but it's worth it in the end. I think having clothes that like fit and something you like changes your whole vibe. You yeah. know, I think we were talking the other day about how like you've had to kind of like packing for this week of shows at the bistro was yeah. kind of interesting to try to kind of mm-hmm. fit the vibe of the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you, how'd that go? Yeah, I think that's always something I'm thinking about is like, I play with so many people and I'm always thinking like, especially like what, the, what's the band leader wearing? Yeah. Like I play with this one drummer, great drummer. Um, I love playing with him. His name is Joe Farnsworth. We, we do a lot of stuff together. He's always wearing suits, like clean suits, like stuff he's gotten made. So everything is like very, you know, clean. So for him, with him, I always I wear coats I always wear like you know we're looking like dapper like clean you know and then with other people they like to just like wear like hip like sweaters or like some kind of like a casual more casual vibe Mm -hmm. so then I have to kind of like outfit because if you wear a suit with that then you kind of like look you know what I mean so I'm always thinking about like presentation and how to how to come correct with that so this band is so funny because everyone's very different like Peter will do like 
feeder will like have like he'll be like kind of the most dressy like he'll have like a definitely like a button down and like um like a coat on but he'll usually have like some sweet shoes on like some nikes or something hutch is like drummers get away with everything they can wear whatever they want i hate that i love it for them but i hate it for me because they're, they're sitting the drum kit yeah they're sitting so it doesn't really <laughs> matter and they always have like the they have their their own swag drummers always have their own thing um so he's kind of like more like he always wears something dark like a dark t-shirt or like a dark overcoat with like a dark t-shirt or something like that so i'm like okay he's he's on that level Ruben always very suave and of like course. just very clean whatever he does he does like casual dressy but it's very like unique very like Ruben like he'll do dark and then have like his red Gucci s- shoes on so it's like True. how do you fit into that right you know what I mean it's I'd very be stressed I'd right be stressed right so <laughs> this week packing I kind of did like I was going for a more casual thing like a more um dressy like casual thing but hit like hip at the same time like you got to bring your own thing to every every band you do you got to bring your own thing for sure and that's why you get hired and like so your your outfits clothes always always represent that and so yeah i think that's a great conversation and something i think about all the time and i want to start like my own like suit company and i want to start my own company because it's hard for women to find suits that fit you absolutely you literally can't and i'm saying like all sizes all high everything just like i want to start a company that's like yeah you can like and not expensive because that's the thing when you get Mm. into oh my god fitting your own clothes and stuff so expensive and then it's like it's really hard for women like i see even women in jazz lincoln center like with win marsalis and they all the guys look so good because they all have their suits fitted to them they all you know and then it's like the women, it's like, well, uh, if you could just get a black blazer or something, it's like, <laughs> like come on. yeah, I'm like, come on, we got to, I mean, and, they, and the women always look great. Like, cause you know that we figure, we figure it out. Yeah. You but, can like rent suits, like menswear. You, men, exactly. Men can literally rent a tuxedo and yeah. just take it back. That does not exist. No. In women's fashion. No. I mean, we have rent the runway, but that's different. It's different. And it's never going to be a nice, like professional suit. That's yeah. More like totally yeah that's what i'm saying like i just want to have like something that it's like i've struggled for years to find like coats and like things that fit me especially in this industry it's like men are always wearing suits are always wearing dress shirts and stuff it it took me a long time to figure out like where can i buy a dress shirt that fits me you know i can't you can't buy men's stuff because like we have hips and yeah yeah, it doesn't fit so um that's something i'm really passionate about i'm like i want to have like my own thing that it's like it's it's cool like not just like boring like blue suit i mean that stuff is cool too but like some designs and yeah. patterns so something i'm kind of having the works right now i want to be your first customer yes definitely <laughs> definitely we'll get that hooked up for sure what are three of your favorite things about being a professional musician mm. at in your in your literal 20s yeah and your three least favorite things great question i'm mean, gonna really <laughs> think of something <laughs> three favorite things i mean of course number one traveling like seeing the world and Absolutely. playing music is like the best um number two for me is like the chase like the constantly chasing like to get better and like the journey of that i think is really beautiful and i'd say the third thing is like um just like seeing where I am in my life I guess as like time goes on and like composition compositionally as well 
So just in terms of like how I'm writing at a certain time or how I'm playing at a certain time a couple years later, how I'm writing then and how I'm playing then. Just like seeing that layout is like really beautiful. Um, and I like to document everything just so I'm aware, you know, of how I'm progressing. I yeah. think that's like amazing. When that's did you kinda, start writing? I started writing in, in college. Um, just not because I was forced to, but just because I was like, oh, maybe like, I mean, I was just hearing certain things and I'd figure them out on the piano and writing is such a interesting process for me. And I think it's cool to think about Peter's process in it as well, especially with this upcoming record. Um, you know, he had to write all these tunes for this specific record. Right. And that's such a hard thing to like sit down and be like, I'm going to write a and he tune did it today. in like six weeks. It was really crazy. And we only had this eight tracks on here, but he told me he wrote like 15. I'm like, that's amazing songs yeah. in six weeks is insanity it's incredible and i'm not like i'm i wish i was more like that but i'm actually more like for writing for me is kind of like i don't necessarily wait till inspiration strikes but i'm more of the person that's like i'll hear things for a little while and then i'll put it down on the piano or you know figure it out in my horn or whatever so i kind of like let it naturally happen by osmosis instead of saying like okay i'm gonna write something today um, so my process is a little slower, but that's just naturally how I feel like it works best for me. It works different for everybody. Um, so yeah, I love to write and like my writing now is so much different than last year, or even like six months ago, five years ago. So kind of like that process is really cool as a musician to just see how you're growing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Three least favorite things for me. Although number one is traveling. Number one for least favorite is also traveling. <laughs> um, it's, I love to travel, but like being on a plane all the time is awful on your body. I thought you loved airplanes. And like you just said, you get on the plane and you just go to sleep and you're just literally out. Until okay. Plane <laughs> I, I literally, I loved it. <laughs> I will be that person who sleeps from like before the takeoff to literally like when the wheels touch down. Like yeah. that's pure exhaustion. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just, th it can really like, it kind of being in a, like an airport, like it's hard on like your health and like, you know, you don't always get to like eat the right things and like you're always on the go. So your time gets messed up. Your body gets messed up. You're never like sleeping at the right time. So that's kind of, that can be kind of tricky about traveling. For sure. But you know, there's, that's just like, you know, I'm just nitpicking. There's that's somebody, a pro and a con. Yeah. Pro and a con. Yeah, for sure. Can I guess your number two? Yeah. Um, that venues don't pay enough, usually. <laughs> As the one who's trying to book the things, I bet that's probably a, <laughs> a least favorite thing. We're trying that? to milk money out of people because like... Yes, that is we definitely... We know our value as musicians right. and as the, as the manager. I know the value. Yeah. And then the, the, the venue is like, we've got $5. You want it? Would you like that? Is that okay? Of course, that's fine. You only want, you only need five dollars, and we're like, no. You said no, five dollars. We're gonna need more than five dollars, please. No, but what's hard is that some musicians would be like, yes, like that. Thank you, you know. And that's what makes the that's what makes it difficult, is that, you know, we're trying. We gotta hold ourselves up here, right. everybody, as a musician. Right. If if you're saying, hey, you know, we need X amount of money. Another group might say, yeah, we only need half of that. The club's going to say, that we'll take that group. Which is, you know, <laughs> business is business. But I think as musicians, 
especially now it's 2023 inflation is real everything's getting more expensive as we've we've right. talked about so we need to raise the yeah rates. and i think we deserve that you know it's like every night like this is our craft you know like we work on this every day every right. night um we need to get paid you know so i think just holding yourself to that and having people like you and like other people like at open studio just being like no like this is this is like you saw us in here working on this record we were in here for 10 hours every day working Absolutely. on this record yeah you know what i mean before we for two days yeah just like practicing yeah that's a lot of like it's, yeah. it's like a real thing you know so even though i mean i think the arts just need to be we need to take the arts more seriously in general like this Absolutely. is our whole life like we dedicate our entire lives to it and then it's like all oh, people they want to pretend it's like here's an opportunity and like we should and you are thankful for opportunities but sure. we also have to we have the same bills as everybody else and yeah i think that you know we we deserve what we deserve for you sure. know so no question that's a tricky that's <laughs> very tricky but <laughs> he said here's five dollars five dollars <laughs> Like that one uh, State Farm commercial. Gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> We're like, come on. Oh, oh my you God. Know it gotta costs be quicker money. than that. Oh, funny. That was only $1 in that commercial. That $1. I felt that. I used to feel that commercial. Like, Some of these venues are like $1. Oh, and for like, bro. Oh, man, <laughs> Miss me. us with that. Not even responding to that email. 100%. So no, it's going to be very hard. It's and tricky. we have to split $1 between four musicians. Yeah, and you have to think about. And we have to travel there. Please. Right. Please, and please, please. That's. Think again. That's all. I mean, the traveling too, like air air i mean for a flight it's like four times as much as it used to be you know like right. it's so much like so you have to get hotels you have to consider all this stuff when you're when you're booking a band and um when you're booking you know you have to think about like okay what are they, what are they gonna need and so yeah it's it's nice to be just treated well and treated like for hey sure. we knew what you needed and this is like how much like and it doesn't happen very often which is sad because it's like man like we're, we're out here working and right. trying to make everything possible. For sure. You know? <laughs> Gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you a Paramore fan by chance? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm a big Paramore fan. Love Paramore. Um, did you hear their new remix album? No. You know they did a remix album? No. Um, Haley Williams went on Jimmy Fallon and was like sharing about their remix. Basically, they released This Is Why and then had their friends and like people they um, toured with remix every single track on mm -hmm. their album and like do it in their way. And um, I know like Remy Wolf did one of the Ooh. tunes. Um, I love her. Domi and JD Beck did oh, yeah. one of the tunes. They're great. Yeah, um, that was actually legit jazz on there and it's really good. Yeah. Um, but Haley Williams on this interview said to Jimmy Fallon, you know, this remix album, it is really hard to organize musicians. Ooh. And I felt so seen in that moment. Yeah. Because I can't imagine what somebody yeah. had to do to take the album that they had already released and then go to each of those musicians, schedule them to go to the studio or whatever, uh, get all of their tracks, yeah. put it all together in one and then release it. That is so much work. That's and such a that's the work I do. So I'm I I, bless I, I you. cried when I thought about that. Yeah. Somebody's stressed. No. <laughs> it's like people don't understand like the behind the scenes stuff of putting together a record or just anything like in the music industry and it is just so hardcore. Like and it's very especially <laughs> 
especially in the jazz industry, it's very hard to mangle people a yes. lot of the times. Um, because people have so much stuff going on. And a lot of times in the jazz industry, a lot of people don't don't have the means to hire like a manager, like things like that. So you're man you're literally managing yourself. And like we're musicians anyway, so our <laughs> brains are <laughs> like our brains are kind of, you know, different anyway. For sure. So to manage yourself and then to deal with people, it's like you feel like you don't have enough like capacity to deal with all this stuff. Like answer emails and run your own Instagram, run your own website, then practice on top of it. Be ready for the gig. And like wrestle with the venue people. Right. Wrestle, more money. Book your own band, <laughs> make your own record, right. talk to the record pets. You know, you're just doing this all for your, you're running your own company for yourself. <laughs> it's like so much yeah, to literally, do. Literally. So to on your end of it, like I know like for you, you're like, just send, like just trying to communicate with people it's so hard to like get even like replies back from like you know what i mean so it's it can be really tough um and i think we don't think about like that behind the scenes thing as much like what you're doing but that is so important like literally without you like that this wouldn't have happened you know what i mean like this gig we're doing now like the record like there's so much other stuff that's going on besides just like playing and like that's like just the very top level like and that's the level that's being seen which is great and that's amazing it's like here's the product here's six months to a year of all this preparation just to get the four of us in a room together yeah and here's a 10 page itinerary of what you're doing every day at every at every moment at every moment (laughs) you know what i mean it's just so much like there's so much work behind it so something like open studio and working with you guys is like amazing as a musician because you guys are just so on top of it and it's like Oh, it's such like a breath of fresh air, you know? For sure, for sure. So we love you. So we're trying to say. I love you, Sarah. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Speaking of new music. Yes. I got to hear a little bit yep. of this unreleased mm-hmm. Sarah Hanahan original yes. music. Yes. That's on the way to your very ears. It is on the way. Tell us all about it. So I recorded my debut record last May, 2023. So yeah, I got new music on the way. I recorded my debut record last May, and I'm so excited about it. I recorded with a great label at Jazz Lincoln Center called Blue Engine, and I was so lucky and fortunate to have my real like mentors and heroes on it. So it features Jeff Tain Watts on the drums, Nat Reeves, who I studied with since I was 18 at the University of Hartford, and Mark Carey, who I love and um, he played with so many Roy Hargrove and Betty Carter and Abby Lincoln, all these people I love. I mean, Tane is Tane, so amazing. And it also features Dee Dee Bridgewater. Um, so yeah, so we went in the studio for two days, and I was so nervous going into it, and because I have all this music I've been working on for years, and like I finally am putting it down, and like it was magic those two days like we did like one take of everything like pretty much it just was so perfect and everybody played so well and i'm really just proud of the the product and um my mu- have they just made my music come alive so i can't wait to put it out it's coming out next spring of 2024 and it's called sarah hanahan among giants yeah I love that title. Yeah. Oh my god. So it's my first record. So I literally got chills. Be sure to check it out and keep an eye out for it. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll definitely be back. Open studio. Have a little combo and yeah. So we're gonna hear it. 
because it's the you'll hear it podcast that's right you'll hear it right here <laughs> you'll hear it yeah